Welcome to this Enterprising Life, a Star Trek podcast from the Radio Meanwhile Network. My name is Steve Rudd. I'm Nick Gunning, and today we're going where no one has gone before. <laughs> I like what you did there. <laughs> uh, can we confidently say that? I feel like no one's ever done a podcast about the animated series. I think there is one, but you think so? Yeah. But yeah. has anybody ever had an Ewoks podcast that featured an episode of Star Trek the Animated Series? <laughs> that no. I can say with confidence that is has never for happened. For sure the on first time. Today. Right now. Right now. <laughs> so today. Yes. Star Trek Day. Yes. We are discussing Star Trek the animated series season one, episode one, Beyond the Farthest Star. This episode originally aired on September 8th, 1973. Ooh. We were not boys. Not even yet. here. Nothing. Not even nothing at nope. all. If you, if you got your calendar, if you're good at math, you're probably realizing that this episode aired 50 years ago today 50. at our time of episode release. So we're celebrating 50 years of Star Trek animation here on Star Trek Day, which yeah. is pretty exciting. And I am not good at maths. And if you didn't say that, I wouldn't have known. You wouldn't have picked it up. You were an outdoor rec major. You can't be expected to. Yeah, no, I can't. Uh, I'm not known for my math skills. No, no. How do you feel about Star Trek animation? I know because we watched the animated series together back in in college for the first time. Have you watched uh, Star Trek Lower Decks or Prodigy? I did Prodigy. I did a bunch of it. I stopped it because I was like, you know, I better stop and watch it with my kids. And we just never yeah. got around to doing it. Mm. You know, it wasn't really anything serious. And I was just like, I just had to accept like, okay, this is basically just like a kid's show with yeah. a Star Trek theme. Yeah. You know, um, it's not really, it's almost, it was almost like more like Voyager to me where I was just like. Oh, sure. Well, yeah, I think that's definitely Voyager-ish. like what they're going for. Yeah. The thing about Star Trek Prodigy is that like, you know, my son likes Star Trek, the animated series. And mm-hmm. like, you know, we've watched episodes of the original and next gen together and stuff. But when Prodigy came on, he was like, Dad, it's Thursday. I think there's a new episode of Star Trek Prodigy. Like he was really Whoa. into it. Yeah. Okay. In a way that I don't know that any other Trek has had that kind of uh, effect Captured on a kid yeah. since like the 70s, really. You know what I mean? Like this is, <laughs> yeah, this is kind of a new thing. And Prodigy there's a game for switch and xbox there are oh really yeah there are junior novels there are action figures there are pajamas so like they really okay you know they merged it up for star trek prodigy which was exciting it was fun to see so and i love the little cameos from you know uh, different cast members showing up of course kate mulgrew back as janeway janeway i think prodigy is a great show and i hope season two finds a home uh, cause I'm, I'm into that story. Lower Decks kills me. Do you like Lower Decks at all? I, I've only seen a couple of it. I do know, I have seen the, um, the Strange New Worlds, uh, Lower Decks. Crossover, crossover, crossover. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, Lower Decks is, is so funny. And I feel like if you could get over the hump, you'd like it because there are so many like deep cut references to particularly like the next gen era that okay. I, I think you would really dig it. But all right, I'll have is, to do that. It's different. It's certainly different. And they they have references to the original animated series here and there. Like when they show pictures of Kirk or Spock, it's the Kirk or Spock from the animated series, which is fun. Oh, no way. The, the animation types don't really gel, <laughs> but I don't, they still yeah. use that. And uh, George Takei was just on it as Sulu. So we got like a new Sulu performance, which was... Uh, oh, no way. Yeah, pretty cool. Okay. Pretty yeah, cool, I, I but... started it, but it was like... 
that was when I was really heavy into Rick and Morty, and it oh. felt like a Rick and Morty clone, just not as good. I've yes, and I've so heard I that. Like, I don't know Rick and Morty, so like I was happy. Oh, you know, I'm one of the deplorable people that love that show. Devotee. <laughs> it's so okay. good. Yeah, it's it's very mean and nasty, and just I laugh, and then I feel really guilty that I laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I like, well, at least you can be honest. Yeah, yeah. I just I love okay. that. Well, today's episode, uh, celebrating its 50th year, was directed by Hal Sutherland, written by Samuel A. Peebles. The episode was released on VHS in 1989, then on Laserdisc in 1990. You yeah. strike me as someone who's had a Laserdisc or two in your possession. Um, Did you yeah. ever have a Laserdisc player? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. I so. Okay. I remember uh, we had like Canadian brass music videos. <laughs> my dad my dad had it okay we watched something on laserdisc when i was a kid i can't remember what it is but Uh, i just remember those canadian brass laser i had betamax and i i definitely still have that that. player i never had laserdisc i missed that but it it was on laserdisc in the 90s it was on dvd in 2006 which is what i have and if memory serves you got rid of it yeah, somehow I don't know if I got rid of it or it broke or I lost it or I yeah. must have lent it out to somebody because I have yes. all my originals. You see them on the shelf behind me. Yeah, red, are. blue, red, you know, yellow, yep. blue, yep. and red yep. right there. And yep. animated was with them, so I don't know what I don't know what yeah. happened. I must well, have lent it out and forgot. Uh, then finally, it was released on Blu-ray in 2016, and mm-hmm. at our time of recording, it's streamable on Paramount Plus. Uh, uh, yeah, that's where I watched it. I watched it this was adapted into a novella by Alan Dean Foster in the collection Star Trek Log One. Oh. Animated episodes were adapted into the Star Trek logs, basically on a loophole because publishing had not locked down the rights to novelize animation. And so another publisher was able to make their own Star Trek content by by adapting animated episodes. And beyond the farthest star, of course, is the first oh. uh, First one adapted in the very first collection. And it's very, I didn't read the whole thing, but I have it. So I pulled it off the shelf and started it. And it's very like thoughtful and, and about like Kirk's mission and everything. It was really like grandiose, which I think is kind of funny for yeah. a novelization of the animated series. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> I wonder how that is because there's a lot like unanswered about the vessel. Yeah. You know, it's there's true. A lot of, there's a lot of emphasis on the vessel and then. You know, yeah. and then there, all of a sudden there isn't. So it's like we kind of pivot mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. that episode. And well, like, I'd ah. always intended to read those because I think Alan Dean Foster is is great. And his Star Trek stuff I've really enjoyed. Yeah. Uh, so I would like to read it someday. So I'll let you know. OK, yeah, uh, know. the cast here, we have the we have the original crew from the animated series. Everybody reprises their role with the exception of Walter Koenig and uh, James Dewan, who normally plays Scotty voiced a million roles on this and he voices the the um sort of computer consciousness villain that we have here oh uh, today's no episode. okay yep huh our featured crew member today is writer samuel a peebles so he also wrote the second pilot for the original series where no man has gone before great episode this, it is a good episode it aired as episode three but was actually the first produced with william shatner as captain kirk so in a lot of ways this episode really kind of started the Star Trek that we know. Uh, and so, yeah, he wrote uh, he wrote that second pilot and then he wrote the pilot for the animated series, which is pretty cool. Uh, he also wrote the first six episodes of Jason of Star Command, which featured James Doohan as Commander Canarvan. Did you ever watch Jason of Star Command? Yeah. No, never even heard of it. Pretty fun. 
pretty fun. Yeah. It was like, a, I want to say filmation also live action, just sci-fi show, you know, oh, where Jason okay. star commands like on a ship and yeah, James Dewin is the captain of the ship and you know, it's, it's very low budget and yeah. it's, it's like a kid's sci-fi show, but I had a good time with it. <laughs> All right. Well, to find that. I'm always uh, impressed with the animated series. I think they 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 do such yeah. a good job of making it feel like Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Because I read that in when they were talking about doing it, one of the pitches, and I think what the you know the higher ups were really pushing was they wanted it to be like everybody had a kid with them. Mm-hmm. So like Spock had like a kid Vulcan who was like his protege, and Kirk had you know like so there was kids on the bridge and stuff and they were i think probably roddenberry was like we're never going to do that yeah let's not Um, but i think that's why you get yesteryear episode where you see a young spock and i think that was kind of a nod to what they had intended the series to be but no it's uh it's great writing and it feels like the original series just with a lot of stock animation it's true one thing i noticed immediately was the pacing was much slower Mm -hmm. It focused on little elements that I don't mm-hmm. think distracted from it, right? Like, there's the aspect in the beginning when they're trying to figure out... That, I mean, they're flying. They've got, like, 40 seconds. They're flying at a planet, you know, hurling at a planet. Yeah. But they're all kind of like, all right, should we do this? Nope. All right. You know, 40 seconds. All right, let's try this. Let's do this. Nope, that didn't work. 30 seconds, you know? And it's just like, they're running through yeah. the different things. And I felt like that felt like Star Trek. And because they focused on small aspects like Star Trek would do. Oh, I'm scanning this thing. What about mm-hmm. it? Oh, wow, it's mm-hmm. made up of this material. And, you know, like, that's Star Trek. That That's what, it's very science fiction, True. but, you know, yeah. uh, you know, it's it's fiction, but it's rooted in science. I wouldn't list this specific episode as, like, uh, my favorite, or, like, right. in my top, yeah. you know, five of the animated series or something. But I think watching the original star trek today i mean it's hard not to feel like it drags you know like the original series has some episodes where even though like i'm having a good time i'm kind of like really we're still in this conversation like we're still doing this like next scene please and i think the tightness of the animated series like look bro you got 22 minutes to tell this story really kind of forces them to like even though you have the contemplative moments you gotta move. I you think sometimes they do have that um, slowness, though, in this. And like, like I did notice that I was like, oh, the pacing is feels much better. Like I, I like this, but there yeah. were times where it's like, yeah, Ooh, that went, well, there's long went shots a of slow. the bridge. Yeah, you know? yeah. But I think that's like, yeah, you know, that has to do with like yeah. film or twa, where like there's there's framing in the original series that's very yeah. artistic, and they, it almost mm-hmm. felt like they tried to emulate that in the animated series, and it, like sometimes did. it worked. And some, of, them some is, of those long, yeah, the shots, long of the bridge shots of the really bridge, bridge right. were like some of the long shots on on um, the original series. And so, you know, it, sometimes mm-hmm. it worked, sometimes it didn't, right? Because there's things moving in an in a live action. Everyone's moving and doing things where this would be <laughs> yes. like one person's yeah. moving and everyone else is completely stationary and drawn differently, like it's a like it's a painting mm-hmm. as opposed to animation. Yeah. Well. <laughs> I think when Spock is like leaning over the visor and like just his lips, like the science station, yeah. you know, the just his lips are moving and everything else is like perfectly still. Like you can definitely see where they're saving yes, cash by not like 
having a million things animated at once. But I really don't think it detracts yeah. as much as as much as it might. You know, I, I think I would rather have that and have the writing than have worse writing or, or more clipped, you know, dialogue and have more like run yeah. action kind of scenes like the dialogue it, stands it out. I think it balance. definitely, definitely stands out. I mean, it helps that you have the real actors voicing them. But like, you know, I thought Ahura got a little bit more than she often mm-hmm. did in the original series. Um, which, of course, we talked she, about yeah, in the Lorelai signal her, for last Star Trek day. Episode, but yeah. today, even, she was much more part of the mm-hmm. conversation. I feel like they give the characters a little bit more of an equal conversation here. Yeah. There's an episode of this called, I want to say, The Slaver Ship, that doesn't have Kirk because William Shatner was touring in some play or something. Couldn't get there to record the dialogue. So I, oh my they're gosh. like in a shuttle. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's so okay. It's a good episode. It's a good episode. And it's the, only, it's the only episode of that era that doesn't have Kirk, you know, like outside of the cage, which, you know, Ooh, that's true. Yeah. In a cage. Yeah. Can't forget. And it's that. just interesting to see, but anyway, I had a pretty good time with this. So shall we, uh, yeah. shall we get into the Uber detailed plot? Let's get into the Uber detailed plot of star Trek, the animated series, episode one, season one, beyond the furthest star, the enterprise intercepts a strange transmission and investigates on their way. They are suddenly caught in a strange hyper gravitational trap hurtling them straight towards a dead star. Coolly and calmly, the bridge crew crew attempts to break this pole. They manage to miss the dead star by pushing towards the hypergravity well, putting themselves into orbit. Once in orbit, they discover there's another ship. It appears to be dead and over 300 million years old. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Interesting choice. So wearing long, their <laughs> wearing their trusty life belts, the away team beams aboard to investigate the unique Hulk. A closer inspection of the alien ship reveals that the owners somehow spun the ship into creation like a spider rather than building it. It also seemed that the crew abandoned the ship quite suddenly as there are several hull breaches in each pod that are blown from the inside out. The away team investigates deeper into the ship, discovering there is still some power and functioning computer systems. When they reach a control room, the door behind them slams shut, trapping them inside. Suddenly, a life form from outside of the control room attempts to gain access with some sort of energy beam. The away team quickly reacts, trying to stop it, but discover an old message from the original crew saying to escape with their lives. The control room door is breached, and the away team beams back to the Enterprise seconds before the control room is reduced to rubble. Although untouched, the away team discovers that a luminous life form was beamed aboard with them. Before they can beam the alien away, it flees into the Enterprise's computer systems. One by one, key systems shut down across the ship. The bridge crew realizes that the alien has taken over the ship and shut down certain non-essential systems based on its non-corporeal form. Kirk attempts to communicate with the form, and it reveals itself through the ship's intercom. It so desperately wants to leave the hypergravity well planet, and now has a suitable starship to do so. Several times, the entity forces the crew to perform tasks or risk punishment of being shot by the ship's security system. The bridge crew devises a plan to outsmart the entity. Kirk convinces the being to allow him to pilot them away, but acting quickly turns the Enterprise towards the dead planet on a collision course. The entity fires at Kirk, but it's no use. The Enterprise is sure to be obliterated once it hits the surface. In a panic, the entity leaves the Enterprise 
for fear of death, and the ship warps briefly to avoid the planet and break its orbital gravity trap. The Kirk maneuver works, saving mm-hmm. Enterprise from total destruction and ridding it of the alien intr- intruder. As they leave the planet in their rear view, the entity groans miserably on the view screen, pleading with the Enterprise in forlornness. Unaffected, the Enterprise returns to its original mission to chart the stars. Roll credits. A little bit of a dark ending there. Yeah, it, it was a real, it was a little bit of a depressed ending with like the, yeah. the alien being like, so, so lonely, so lonely. It's kind of sad, man. I mean, 300 million yeah. years we're talking like, that's a long time, yeah. man. Yeah. So, so my son has yeah. watched this episode and he hates the ending. Like he says, like, why? He said their whole thing is to like explore strange new worlds and seek out new life. And here they find it. And uh, he says, <laughs> he said they kind of leave it with a peace out Girl Scout and fly away. And it's true. <laughs> it totally He's right. Is. Yeah. He's I didn't right. even think about that, that they really do. They're like, oh man, let's get yeah. away from that. They're like, ah, <laughs> like, that was a drag. Let's get out of here. In in other Star Treks, they at least leave a probe behind to like warn something. People, yeah. You know? But I think that's. I think that's interesting. I think that's interesting because it's kind of a throwback to a more pulpy sci-fi of like the 40s and 50s because yeah. it is dark, you know? Mm-hmm. Whereas like if this were next gen, they would befriend this thing. You know what I oh, mean? Totally. They would be like, we'll find a way for you to communicate. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, let's, yeah, let's become here, friends. Oh. Exactly. But this sort of like, we've discovered this weird thing and it's us or them and we got to get out of here is really a throwback to an earlier era of sci-fi. Yeah. So I thought that was an interesting It reminded me there. of, well, I can't remember the episode name, but the one where it was the machine and Kirk wins out by fooling the machine with logic. And, yeah. and it felt like a mixture of that and the episode of the original series that Samuel A. Peebles wrote, Where No Man Has Gone Before. We have a, mm-hmm. aspects of orbit. Right. Yeah. He uses that in that episode, which is becomes the premise of Star Trek four. Um, and so like, yeah, it's it's int- I like his writing. This was good. Yeah. I mean, there were aspects. Look, I'm going to complain. I always have something to complain about in, in something, right? You to point do. out. Bless your I'm an heart. old man. And I want to complain about something. So I'll find yeah. it. But like, yeah, the 300 million years thing, like that's weird. That was a curveball when I was like, wait, did he say 300 million? And I was just like, do I remember him saying that? Like when I, when I used to own this, like I didn't even remember him saying three hundred yeah. million years old. I thought maybe three hundred million. Yeah, it was. It was when I think it didn't mean anything until I caught that line when he was like, "Oh, that was when McCoy was like, oh, pre well, pre human life, you know, on Earth." Yeah. And I was just like, "What? Oh yeah, See, he but, said three hundred million. But that feels like if you ever watched like Lost in Space or anything like that, they would find these like really weird planets you know and the whole concept of like it's not constructed it's spun like webs and you have all these like pods that are burst open and stuff yeah that feels very lost in spacey to me and lost in space again that i thought was a mistake oh you didn't like it no that was a mistake it's a more complex uh concept than they have the time to devote i think you're right yeah if we could have really like got into it maybe maybe that would feel a little bit better to you but i get why that didn't work so much Mm -hmm. I was trying to like watch this like objectively because I've seen it before. You know, I've seen it like probably more than some of the others because I'll like turn it on. Yeah, it's the first one. It's the first one you play. (laughs) Um, And so I was trying to be like, if I 
if I was just somebody who, you know, grew up watching Star Trek or was watching it in syndication or whatever, how would this land for me? Mm-hmm. And I think I would have just been so wrapped up in like, it's new Star Trek. It's the real cast. They're doing Star Trekky things, yeah. you know, and seeing all the visuals and stuff that they never could have accomplished in live action is cool. But I don't think it's the strongest of stories. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Like it would again, it would be interesting to see like a child in 1973 watching this, like if it really, really would have worked, if it really would have pulled them in. Mm-hmm. I think there are many episodes of the animated series that are much, much better than this. And I would probably put this on the lower end mm-hmm. in, in ranking the whole series. It's not one. Right. That but I, here's the thing. You're, it you're really hits it. You know, you're feeling right. And this is how I felt that this felt like a very condensed actual episode of the original yeah, series. Right. Which has been very different than like Ewoks, which were like, oh, my mm-hmm. gosh, this doesn't feel like Star Wars at all. But it's called Ewoks. Yeah. You know, yeah. and so like. That's one thing I think they get right with this show that I, I too was thinking like, I wonder, I wonder where it would have gone if they had 40 minutes as opposed to 20. Yeah. You know what yeah. they could have gone well, into, you know, I don't know about this one in particular, but I know that some of the episodes were scripts that had been intended for live action that were adapted. And maybe this was, I mean, maybe yeah. this was, and they, and they put it down, but I, I feel like a lot of, um, you know, why the the ending is so upsetting for my son, I think, is the choice that James Dewan makes mm-hmm. as the as the creature, as the entity, because he's like, please, you know, so he just is completely broken. Like you totally made a mistake. And they really, yeah. they really do just like got nothing. I don't want anything to do with this. So goodbye yeah. forever. Uh, it is. It does feel sad. It does kind of like tug a little bit there. But. Yeah, I think you hit it. I think the dynamics are right, and I think uh, it's it's pretty much a good time overall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I really enjoyed it. I will I always enjoy this, and maybe that's uh, my bias, but it felt it felt like it was more paced for yeah. to to be enjoyed as opposed mm-hmm. to you know some of the Ewok stuff, which is just a little yeah. bit out of control, and then there's too much goofiness yeah. and there's not enough story. Where this was like. Pack well, the story. Let's go. Story from the get go. You know, I had to rewind and listen to the uh, star date. You know, the captain's log again because I was like, oh wait, that was important. And I went back mm-hmm. and I was like, oh yeah, okay, all right. You know, and, I just love the writing. You know, I think the, yeah. I think the writing on the show is really good. And and maybe with the fiftieth anniversary, people will like go back and rediscover because I feel like the animated series gets a bum rap it's primarily totally because of the, so anim- good. the animation. The animation, I think, is what really kills it. Yeah, but it's you're uh, right. you know it's kind of fun and and retro at this point. Love the theme song. Oh yeah, it feels another good one. Feels very Star Trekky, but like it it has elements of the Alexander Courage theme from the old days. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I just got it's got a nice pep to it. I like it. I think it's pretty good. Hey, you know, uh, there was a couple times too that I noticed the framing was very clever with like yeah. moving when it was an engineering and it was like moving and it, instead of having to draw people, it was just the shadows because it was so far away, but the room moved with them. And I thought, well, that's very interesting yeah. because that's almost like a camera moving yeah. in the actual engineering room. And yeah. what a great job. I, that that just, I, that stood out to me that I was like, Oh wow, this is, mm-hmm. you know, this is 1973 yeah. and they just pretty much, stepped up their game as far as like yeah. framing and filming a scene yet it was animation then the well, rest of it's just all still you know yeah you're never and, moving and clearly we're looking at a series where they spent the 
overwhelming majority of their budget on the voice cast oh, 100%, because they yeah. got everybody in, you know, yeah. so like that's where all the money is. And I think it's money well spent. I mean, you got a solid crop of writers and you got the, you know, the time tested crew. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's just a good combination. I think you mentioned in your synopsis here, but the uh, the little the little belts that they wear to yep. put the little uh, they just get like yellow lines around them. So, you know, that now they can breathe in space. <laughs> yeah. It's such a like a janky clip. It's I mean it's I not know. unlike the the transporter in the original series where they were like we can't be shooting shuttles and having things land all the time. We got to solve this, and so they come up with transporters. And here, yeah. same deal. You know, they're like we're not going to redraw all draw of this all with of them it. wearing yeah. suits. That's you the first I mean? thing I thought of. Ah, oh, clever idea. It clever. is clever. It they is threw it the works. belt in it there pretty well, and the yep. halo all the way around. Uh, I thought that yep. was funny. Well, while we're talking good for Star Trek Day, what is your fascinating moment for this episode? Your favorite? Fascinating. Ah, Man, it's really hard. But I loved the maneuver. I had to rewind it a couple times. It was like they they used two maneuvers, right? Instead of fighting the gravity well, they flowed with it and pushed ahead and managed to turn and get into orbit. And then when they were leaving, they like used the warp drive like briefly to like they just, yeah, just get, a little pop, yep. pop to kind of like get you know around it almost. You know, they're kind of going right at it, and then the warp drive, you know, knock. Pro- I'm assuming what happened was the warp drive jetted them to the side so that they could get around, you know. And uh, I just thought that was really interesting, you know, that yeah. that's something we we would see. I mean, that's the entire premise of you know, being able to loop around a planet like that is the entire premise of Star Trek 4. And, True. you know, it, it, that's something that would be used. And I, I just thought mm-hmm. that it was really great when it happened. I was like, oh, nice. Yeah. It was like the yeah, you're right. Picard maneuver mixed with, uh, you know, where no man has gone before. You know, a little Picard maneuver yeah. there. Jump, use the warp, yes. warp drive yep. to jump a little bit. So very yep. clever. I thought that yep. was very, very clever. What about you? Good pick. Uh, we've talked about it a lot. So, but it, it is that dark end. I think, I think them doing <laughs> you like that. Yeah, I do. Well, the fresh air. I, mean, I understand like why you don't want it, but I just feel like it is such a. <laughs> it didn't end it with spots working a, on the bridge, you know. It's right. <laughs> it just it almost feels like a twist, you know, like they they break free of this thing and like they don't defeat it, they don't like understand it. They just think if yeah. we stay, this will kill us, and so we got to go. It's a product of a different time. It kind of was. It it, they did leave yeah. kind of like good riddance. All right, let's yeah. chart the stars, you know, and it's just like, yep. wait, what? You know, <laughs> yeah. you just discovered a 300 million year old ship. I know. And some entity and you're they just don't even like, like take samples or whatever. All right, I'm, yeah. I'm out. Yeah, I got to do that again. Yep. All right. Well, what is your darn it, Jim moment? Darn it, Jim. I thought the alien ship itself, I was very intrigued by it, right? All the aspects yeah. of it. And then I, when I was watching it again, I remembered thinking the same thing. I was like, oh, yeah. I remember thinking it's really cool. And they point out how it's made and how it pulls, draws energy from everywhere and this and that. And then it has nothing to do with the rest of the episode. It has nothing true. to do with it. You know, <laughs> and so I was kind of just like, oh. You know, it's basically like Indiana Jones discovering the idol that's 100 million years old. Yeah. And then yeah. like using it as a paperweight somewhere to like, you know, which um, you might, honestly. on like a menu at a yeah. restaurant, you know, where you're yeah. like, 
it was kind of a, a, a pivotal aspect of the episode, and then it really got shelved, and we never yeah. come around to it. And that's what I'm used to, you know, like when they, you focus on something in an episode, may seem kind of insignificant, and then later on we come around, and that insignificant yeah. thing actually has some bearing or significance to the story, right? Where you're like, yeah. oh, you know, well, like, maybe, well, and and maybe. that's a way that maybe it could have been fixed with a, with a little with bit more just like throw in a line yeah well yeah with more length but if you can't do that kirk has that ending narration you know his captain's log just throw in starfleet is sending a crew to examine blah blah, blah. you know what i mean yeah. like you, you could have had something or we missed our chance for the discovery of a lifetime blah 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 yeah, you know, but we, right due right. to the danger we need to move we, we've been ordered from yes. Starfleet to move on they could have you know, yeah that yeah that would have that would have anything been it, yeah. yeah and it's like i, I just yeah. I thought the ship itself was a weird play, right? That it was yeah. just like, oh, it's, first of all, 300 million years old. It might as well have been <laughs> 10 million because, you know, at that point, like... Or one. Or, or one. one million still. But yeah. 300 yeah. million was just like, that's a million. weird number, man. Like, what yeah. significant is that? Significance is that, know. right? And so... I do not know. You know, it would have been interesting if they walked in and they saw, like, tubes of like earth animals and alien animals then it would have been like oh yeah. okay look at that they populated the earth with some weird yeah. animals yeah. and yeah but like <laughs> i mean maybe that's something that in the alan dean foster book they go into detail more and that's what i would i would they love to read well that could. book to, because i'm sure there's a lot more substance on yeah. the ship itself and so yeah like to, i think actually the significance of the ship probably makes sense with the fact that it drew power from like everywhere and that's kind of what the entity yeah. did right it kind of yeah. drew its power from everything and was spock was talking about how it could potentially multiply and spread mm -hmm. based yeah. on that energy so yeah I mean, maybe they were like entities i, I don't know yeah it's a lot of complicated like sci-fi elements to throw in there yeah you know and i feel like that's interesting but also maybe to your point doesn't quite land because you can't do they didn't land and that no. that frustrated yeah. me i remember watching you know this time i, I was it. just like oh that's exactly yeah. what made me frustrated last time that it was just like yep. cool thing you know i don't really like it i think it's kind of lame but they really stepped it they really started to convince mm -hmm. me when they got to the ship and they were like oh they spun it instead of like building it like you know, we build ships. They just like created it. And I was like, oh, that's yeah. kind of cool. All right. All right. Yeah. Now you got me. I'm convinced. And yep. then they just, they never go back to it. So what about you? Never. What was your, darn it, Jim? Well, mine's not as deep as yours. Mine is more practical. But I just found the voice that James Dewan did for the intruder, the alien, yeah. what the yeah. entity, to just be annoying. And it was a lot of like repeated lines. And yeah. so, I don't know. It's just very like talking out oh, of the side of his mouth, like get out, get out of here, leave. You know, obey me, just, obey me. I don't know. It's like <laughs> exactly. It's like, That's okay. like the voice of Mister Peanut, not like a scary, <laughs> you know, yeah. three hundred million year old entity. Ah, so here, kids, there. Yeah, you know, it was like, yeah. Oh, obey me. So it yeah. just, uh, just did that. That just didn't click for me, and I, yeah. I think because of it, it never felt particularly menacing. So it's just kind of a. It's a weird choice. It's a weird choice, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, Star Trek Day is always fun because oh, so I fun. like revisiting the animated series. Uh, it's it's just, it's a good time all around. But we will be back on Endor next time. Mm -hmm. uh, back with Ewoks issue number three, Flight to Danger. I don't want to give anything away, 
but there are dinosaurs involved. Oh yeah. So it's uh, it's good. If you've been waiting, when are the Ewoks going to go up against dinosaurs? <laughs> your time is about to come in our next episode. If you're in that Star Wars niche, you love dinosaurs, you love Ewoks, yeah. and you like yep. comics, this is the episode yep. for you. Yep. Yep. Yep, it, it is. That's you. the tagline right there. <laughs> okay, well, uh, fun to revisit Trek yeah, here for Star Trek absolutely. Day, and I will see you next time with the Ewoks. Yeah, see you next time on, on This Enduring Life. This Enduring Life was brought to you by the Radio Meanwhile Network. Other shows on the network include Previously on X-Men, 90s Music Got Me Like, and 9021 Here We Go! Share your thoughts on this and upcoming episodes by following us on Facebook or X at Endorian Life. And please rate, subscribe, and share the show wherever you get your podcasts. Live long and prosper, man. Live long and prosper. <laughs> <laughs>